You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest today on Preaching Source is Dr. Josh Smith. He's the lead pastor at MacArthur Boulevard Baptist Church here in Dallas. He's a graduate of Liberty University, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and Southwestern. Uh, Josh and his wife, Andrea, have four daughters and one son. Welcome, Dr. Smith. Well, thanks so much. Great to be with you. You have just recently completed your dissertation on the subject of preaching and exhortation. Now, that's an intriguing subject. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about what is the role of exhortation in preaching. Sure. I, uh, just having gotten a doctorate in preaching and loving preaching, had read a ton of books on preaching, and I just began to notice a common theme uh, that there wasn't much about exhortation. There was a ton about application. Uh, but not a much about exhortation. I, you know, I was taught that preaching is explanation, illustration, application, that that's the sermon right there. And as I was studying the sermons in Scripture, particularly looking at the book of Deuteronomy and looking at the sermons of uh, Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount, the sermons in Acts, I realized that application didn't seem to be the end of the sermon uh, for those who preached in Scripture, uh, that there was something that went beyond that, that there was application and there was explanation and often illustration, but there ended the sermons with a call for response. Uh, Moses did this, Jesus did this, and many would say that Jesus learned to preach from uh, reading the sermons of Moses, but there seems to be something that was missing, uh, that the sermon should not just end with five ways to apply it. It should end with a call to respond. Um, I even think about 2 Corinthians 5, where uh, Paul is pleading with them on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. And so that idea of, of exhortation, I just felt like it was a missing element. It's something I was passionate about, and I had a good time uh, and learned a lot just thinking through that. Josh, what's the difference between exhortation and application? I think uh, application is going to be saying, here's some things that you can do. Exhortation is saying, do it. I mean, you, I mean, it's simple as it sounds, but I, I would just say, if you read through sermons in Scripture, you're going to find a call to respond. Moses preached, he interpreted the law, he applied the law, and then he said this at the end of every one, now do it. Choose what you're going to do. Make a decision. Do it. And I'm not even just talking about uh, giving an invitation. I think that's part of it. I think every time Scripture calls us to do something, I think the preacher has a responsibility to make that same call. And so what I try to make the case for is that I need to find the point of the text, and then I need to find the call of the text. What is this text calling me to do? And then I need to find the voice of the text. If text-driven preaching certainly uh, has a voice, and so we have to say, what, what is the tone of this text? And combining the point of the text, the call of the text, and the voice of the text, then calling them to respond. So using the same voice um, that the text uses, but saying to the people, God is calling you to respond. This text demands a response. I think every text demands a response. The voice of the text. Have you ever thought about writing on recapturing the voice of God? Well, I, it's, frankly, I have. There's really no good book on the <laughs> subject of recapturing the voice of God, and I will just hope my brother Stephen Smith doesn't hear this podcast. Uh, well, hey, for those of who, you who are listening who don't know, uh, Josh's brother, Dr. Stephen Smith, has written an excellent, excellent book called Recapturing the Voice of God, and it's on preaching the genre. 
genres of, uh, of Scripture. Well, in that book, I will say that book helped me in the writing of my dissertation. Uh, my brother Stephen, I think... Um, probably helped me in thinking through this a lot. And the idea that every text has a voice, uh, there is a certain tone to every text, really needs to not only determine the tone that you use when you preach it, but it determines the, the exhortation of the text. If I'm going to call someone to respond, I want to call them to respond in the same voice of the text. And that, that, uh, that book really helped me and encourages me. It's, it's, a, it's a helpful thing. Josh, how, how do you prepare your sermons? Can you uh, walk us through your process that you go through each week? Sure. Um, someone just asked me, I, I had someone call uh, last week and a new preacher and asked me if I could give him some advice and thoughts on preaching. And I will say this, that what's more important for me uh, before I get into the week-to-week study is what I do before. So I just started the book of Philippians. I'm in my third week. I'll preach my fourth sermon this Sunday. But just walking you through that process, so I started last November uh, reading the book of Proverbs every day, uh, at least five or six days a week. I was reading the book of Proverbs, I mean, sorry, Philippians, I'm preaching Philippians. Uh, I just got done talking about Proverbs, but I'm preaching through Philippians. So I was reading Philippians every single day, just reading it over and over. Then I spent about two weeks reading everything I could find on Philippians, which is a lot. Every introduction I could find, I think I read 19 introductions to the book of Philippians. And I think that, that now going into my week-to-week study, having such a grasp of the book as a whole, the themes, the context, makes the week-to-week study uh, so much in many ways easier. I feel like a lot of guys jump into a book of a Bible without understanding that book, but every book has a very specific context. I mean, even thinking of Philippians, you have 10 to 12 years of relationship between Paul and the Philippians before he ever wrote that letter. And that relationship matters, how the church started in Acts 16 and everything that happens throughout those years and 2 Corinthians and, and uh, Acts and Philippians gives us that story. That story matters. So as I'm just, for instance, this week preaching from Philippians 1 and talking about the prayer that Paul prays, that prayer is deeply informed by the context of that book. And so being able to open my books at the beginning of the week, knowing exactly what's going on is really helpful. So I I found the most helpful practice is getting as much information as I can before I ever get into the book. And I always start a book of a Bible to my church with an introduction. I did actually two from Philippians, but um, just to give them an overview. I do that because I think it helps them, but it helps me. I want to have a good grasp of that. And then week to week, I you know start on Mondays. I, I get in the office. I don't get much ahead. Uh, this week, I'm getting two weeks ahead because spring break's coming up. But I take Mondays to just read the text as much as I can and make notes. I take a pen and I take a piece of paper. Uh, I don't. I, sometimes I do it on the computer. Most of the time, I'm just writing down everything I can think of in that text. I pray through it. Uh, I read through it. And then Tuesday, I usually uh, look at commentaries and start to read and try to have it together by uh, Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday. Hmm. Josh, uh, many of us prayed for you and your family, uh, for your wife during her recent battle with cancer. How, how did that affect the way that you preach about suffering, having walked through that with, with your family? Well, that's a great question. I mean, it, it really did change um, in a lot of ways the way I preach. I, I think the first thing it did is it made me aware that every single person in the church is going through something. I mean, you just don't think about it. When Andrea was diagnosed with cancer, I felt like I needed to go back to everyone in our church that had ever told me they had cancer, and I needed to apologize. 
because I didn't understand and I didn't, I, I wasn't probably as pastoral as I should be. So getting up there to preach, knowing that I've, I've got a lot of pain, but so do most people. Uh, I think it helped me just to empathize a little bit more. Uh, I began to, I think, see text of scripture differently. Um, I think it gave me a more pastoral tone and a softer tone, knowing that I'm not just preaching messages. I'm preaching messages to a group of people who in many cases are suffering. Um, I do, I, I, when Andrea was diagnosed, I was, um, um, I don't remember what I was preaching actually at that time, but I, right after that, I just, I remember being deeply ministered to by the book of Ruth. So I decided, well, I would just start preaching Ruth. And I, I look back now as that it was probably one of the favorite things I've ever preached. One of the things that was most impactful to me. And the reason was, is because I felt like I could identify a little bit more than I could have beforehand. And it really, really was uh, helpful. I took some time uh, during, um, during kind of that battle uh, in 2013 and 14 and preached some topical messages in a way that I don't normally do. I really just preached out of the overflow. Here's what God's saying to me. I'm going to stop what I'm preaching and I'm just going to, I just need to share with you some things that God's teaching me. So I wanted to feel the freedom to be able to do that. And I I do think it made me maybe a little bit softer, maybe more thoughtful. um, And just that awareness that people are really hurting. Mm. Now, you, you mentioned Proverbs here just a few moments ago, and I, I think maybe you had that on your brain because you've recently preached through the book of Proverbs. Uh, a lot of preachers that we talk to uh, sometimes find Proverbs a challenging book to preach through. So what advice would you give to a preacher who wants to preach through Proverbs? Uh, don't preach through it. Uh, <laughs> what, I would say is, what I would say is this, is that... Uh, in my opinion, Proverbs is divided up into two sections. Proverbs 1 through 9 is a conversation. It's a conversation between a father and a son. Uh, I think the greatest word picture to understand Proverbs is what Jesus says at the end of Matthew 7, when he says, if you are ever going to reach the right destination, you have to choose the right gate and and walk the right path. That is the picture of Proverbs. Before you ever start to receive the wisdom of Proverbs, you have to enter in by the fear of the Lord. So you enter in, and the book of Proverbs is only wisdom for those who have chosen to fear the Lord. So I think Proverbs 1 through 9, and there's an inclusio uh, in in 1, 7, and then 9, 10, and I think you walk through those texts. I would walk through 1 through 9 straight through. But in my opinion, and uh, you may disagree with me on this, I think when you get to chapter 10, and there seems to be a, as a prescript, there is there a division in the text, 10 through 31, uh, I preach topically. I would t- take a topic that I thought was a, a significant theme in Proverbs, like the topic of food or work or parenting, and I would find one text that I thought um, spoke the most directly to that subject. And then I would take that text and then take the wealth of other information that is found on that subject from Proverbs 10 through 31 and then preach that together. Uh, I, I know that people have preached all the way through verse by verse. I just, I did not uh, find that to be the, the most, I don't even, I would even say the most faithful to the way in which the text is written. I think you can do that well and take particularly in those chapters 10 through 31 and preach it topically. Did I just get banned from uh, preaching source? No, no. Okay, actually, okay. I mean that. Uh, it, you know, you have to be sensitive to the genre of scripture and the structure of the text. And 
you've got all of these little pithy yeah. uh, aphorisms on proverbs on individual thing that it certainly makes sense to me when that, it does seem that that, it, that you, might be the more faithful approach well yeah you transition from conversation to what i would just call collection so there's this conversation which is very clear and very specific in one through nine and then it begins i mean i'm looking at the esv at the beginning of chapter 10 and it says you know the the proverbs of solomon so it does seem to enter into a time of a collection of all of these proverbs uh, and I just have not found a structure that's convincing to me from uh, 10 through 31. Josh, you are the son of one of the most well-known evangelists in Southern Baptist life and the nephew of a past president of the International Mission Board, your uncle Tom Elif. Uh, your family has been engaged in the proclamation of the gospel in incredible ways. And I know in your own personal ministry that you have a particular passion for people who've never had any access to the gospel. So here's the question. Uh, what role does the pulpit play in calling out church members to participate in missions and evangelism? Well, that's a great question. I thought I would be on the mission field. I spent two and a half years on the mission field after leaving college, was uh, very far along in the process with the IMB uh, throughout seminary, and met my wife, and she thought she was going to be a missionary too. Uh, God changed our plans there for a little bit. We still would not be surprised if God sent us to the mission field, but I really did feel like uh, the greatest affirmation I was getting on my gifting and ministry uh, was through preaching. It's what I really loved the most. So I, I decided that if I'm going to be a preacher, I've got to be a preacher who at least is calling people to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. I think one of the primary things is just awareness. Our people don't know. Uh, they don't know the amount of unreached people groups. They don't know what's going on in other parts of the world. And so trying to take time uh, throughout uh, Sunday mornings to just talk about what's going on, whether it be uh, we have prayer times at the toward the beginning of our service, we sing a couple of songs, uh, and then we have a come forward prayer time before I preach, and we just uh, pray over specific things. So this last week we preached, we um, prayed over an international ministry that's in our community. Uh, the week before that we prayed for missionaries that we have in uh, Montenegro and Central Europe that are doing church planning. So constantly bringing it up, I think, is really significant, showing them uh, what it looks like to have a passion for that. And you don't have to force the text to bring missions into it. It is in every text. So finding those texts and then finding a way uh, to call people, and that's exhortation, isn't it? Calling people to, to be involved in whatever way they can. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been Dr. Josh Smith, lead pastor of the MacArthur Boulevard Baptist Church in Dallas. Josh, thank you so much for being with us and our listeners today. Well, thanks so much. It's a joy.